Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. All right, two hours down, one hour to go here on Warriors this week. Evan Giddings alongside Dan Devone with you here on 95.7 The Game, taking your calls, taking your questions, 888-957-9570, talking about the last seven days in Golden State Warriors basketball as they currently sit at 18-20 and 20 after a 140-131 defeat to the Chicago Bulls. we got Draymond Green being reinstated. He is ramping up. He could be available as early as later on today when they take on the Bucks at 5 o'clock. They got booed twice at home, gave up 76, 73, and 75 in the last three first halves, but they walk away with at least their first game on the road trip with a good taste in their mouth, offensively outshoot the Chicago Bulls, and they beat them to kind of get back on track. What we're talking about, Dan, is, is the moves that may still need to be made, and whether or not last night's game you know, overshadows what transpired each of the last two home games. It doesn't completely remove the, the, the stench, I think, that was coming off of the Warriors in my mind, but it's certainly a step in the right direction. And so now you brought up right before the break the potential aggression or lack thereof that Mike Dunleavy Jr. might have to have at the trade deadline as GM and what kind of guy you think he is, what kind of aggressive moves you think he might make. To me, I think the 650 hits the nail on the head here. On the Comcast Business text line, Dunleavy's reputation as a player was passive, to say the least. Just ask Don Nelson. We can only hope he is different as a GM. I think the word passive is probably the best word to describe Dunleavy. Well, certainly not as a GM, though. I think that he was anything but passive as far as some of the moves that he's that he's pulled in his his early stay with the Warriors. I don't know that your your style of play uh, as a basketball player translates as to whether or not you'd be a good general manager. I'm trying to think. Danny Ainge was sort of punkish on the floor back in the day with the Boston Celtics, and he's also intelligent, very good. Yeah, smart guy, but. All I know is what I know, and that is Dunleavy, in a brief time, has come up gold, man. And that's what you're looking for. And not only it's the way he's done it, right? It's He's bold. This is When I like GMs, or if GMs to me are going to be successful, they have to be visionaries, and they got to be guys that have are so removed from what it is that we do, what it is that the fans are saying, what it is that Frank from Livermore has to say on line three, what it is that anybody at ESPN or 
any of the so-called, you know, millions of coaches out there that know better than than the general managers that are actually have their finger on the pulse. And when he traded for Chris Paul, that to me just spoke volumes. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. What did you just do in your first move, essentially, as the new guy replacing Bob Myers? You went and got who? Chris Paul? Not only do Warrior fans hate this guy, but current Warriors on your team don't like this dude. (laughs) And I think we'd all have to agree that prior to the injury, it's worked. And then he follows that up with Brandon Pajemski. You're like, okay, wait a minute. Dunleavy? If there's one thing the Warriors don't need, it's a guard for crying out loud. Splash Brothers, hello. And Pajemski looks like he might be the if you were to redraft as they like to do, he might be the third player off the board if you were to do it all over again. Yeah, he's a lottery pick. And then Trace Jackson Davis at 57 might be the modern day Draymond Green in terms of steals in the draft. And this guy's done this in less than six months. So when it comes to all of the conjecture, the crossroads, are we going to blow it up? You and I are talking about Wiggins. <laughs> Jonathan Kaminga continues to be the X factor. I'll just say this. From what I've seen in a brief sample size, hey, listen, Dunleavy, you you get into the lab and you just you do you because in Dunleavy I trust. And I think it might be something that's going to shock us one of two ways. That he's going to trade guys, or you're going to initially will probably get on the air here and say, what the hell was that? And or he's not going to trade anybody, which it also could be one of those, are you kidding me? But Dunleavy has proven, at least in a brief time, that he's a guy that not only has has pushed the right buttons, but it's the way he's done it because he's really sort of he's really sort of done it his own way. None of these were popular moves. And again, you can only compare and contrast to the guy that he replaced, and that is Bob Myers, who you know, if Bob Myers' track record over the last three to five years was any sort of an indicator, he stayed about three to five years later than he should have. And I will tell you that this is just from the optics. You'd see Dunleavy sitting there with Bob Myers in there. It looked like a, you know, a Hugo Boss men's clothing line <laughs> in their $5,000 suits. And you're thinking, okay, Dunleavy is just this, you know, he's a Bob Myers 2.0. And he's just going to basically follow the status quo, and here we go again. But no, Dunleavy, he is a guy that is is clearly doing it a different way, and he's come up roses. And so I think it's really interesting and fascinating that a lot of what we're about to witness going forward is going to fall on this guy's shoulders. I think Dunleavy is well-equipped to make all these choices. The difficult ones you're talking about and also some of the more clear ones. <clears throat> To me, I think why Dunleavy has my confidence right now is because I think he's made just about the most of as you can out of not so good choices. Like at the point at which he became general manager, you kind of had to choose between Poole and Draymond. Whether you like it or not, those two players clearly could not coexist together. And he made the choice of Draymond Green. I thought that was a pretty clear choice. Steve Kerr talked about how they need Draymond to win a championship. He's a member of the core. So, unfortunately, Jordan Poole's the guy that's got to go. You flip him into CP3. I don't know if that's... To me, that, that was a good move because you hit a couple of nails 
you get a player that's the opposite of Jordan Poole in terms of being a leader and buttoned up and a guy who can uh, a guy who can you know basically uh, control control the team be a general but you also you know remove kind of like uh, I don't know I guess you know some inexperience some youth but I think that was a move you had to make I think it was and Dario Sarge appears to be a decent signing. Um, we'll see what he does at the deadline. I think I think Dunleavy is a guy that isn't like he doesn't want to come in and shake things up, and I like that about him. But I think he's smart enough to understand that this isn't a team as currently constructed that can win a championship. And if the goal of his boss, Joe Lacob, is to win a championship, then he does eventually need to, I think, make some even tougher choices. And so I think so far he's done a good job. Uh but I think he's going to have to make some tougher choices at the deadline. And that will be really when we figure out what kind of general manager he is. Because I think the choices this summer were kind of laid out for him. I think the big question for for the general manager and or the Golden State Warriors and whether Steve Kerr's in on this meeting or not, you know it's inevitable and it's coming, maybe sooner rather than later, is what do you do with the Hall of Fame core? And where are you at in terms of words like loyalty and allegiance when it comes to Steph, Draymond, and Clay? Now, I think we can all agree that Steph isn't going anywhere. But when it comes to Draymond Green and to Clay Thompson, if you can improve your basketball team, do you trade them? To me, I'm on record, hell yes. Uh, it's not a slight on either one of those guys. It's not being callous. This is professional sports. And this is if you want to stay relevant and continue to win – much like that of Bill Walsh back on the day with the San Francisco 49ers, he would trade players a year sooner rather than a year later. And that's the way you have to be. You have to be really crass when you look at this sort of thing. And so if you're going to get tied into sentimentality and have any sort of emotional attachment to these players, well, that's fine, but you're not going to be very good. And it may be a long time before, you know, listen, Warrior fans that can go back before this dynastic run knows they know what it's like. To be in that lottery for decades, all right? So, you know, dynasties come to an end, but I think the, the next question for all of those that that pull the trigger on these sort of things, and whether it's Dunleavy in, in a room by himself, is going to be, do you move off on Draymond? Will you move off on Clay Thompson? Or is that hindered because of, of that loyalty component? And I would think, at least I'd like to think, now, when it comes to specifically Clay Thompson, if I can upgrade my basketball team, I'm sorry, Clay. I got to shake your hand and thank you for everything you've done. And you, listen, man, I, I will, I'll rename the San Francisco Bay that thing you get stoned in and swim in every other day. Man. <laughs> I'll, I'll name a street after you. We'll bring you back for Clay Day, and we'll 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 stop everything that the the Bay Area is doing. We'll make it a holiday for for three consecutive days. But in the here and now, if, if I can get rid of you and for what I think is an upgrade to help my basketball team win in the future, I'm sorry, but here's the door, and thank you very much. Yeah, and I, look, I think all that's well said, but I also don't think, Dan, you're at the point to where there's a move out there you see that could improve the basketball team that would involve Draymond or Clay. At least that's how I see it. Like I don't think the Warriors are in a position where 
they can go out and make a move by by trading Clay or trading Draymond, moving off those guys, and all of a sudden become markedly better. And I think that is a, a distinction that you have to make and that Dunleavy has to weigh if he is to eventually move off of a member of the big three or two of the three, not named Steph Curry. You have to almost ensure that the team is going to be competitive because you can't move off members of a dynasty and not have anything to replace them with from a marketing standpoint, from entertainment value, and of course from uh, competition. You need to be good. Like One of the reasons I I think people gloss over the the Bill Walsh quote, they glamorize it. They, They talk about how You know, genius it was for Bill Walsh to move off of players a year before they were done. Well, that's because you could move off Montana. You had Steve Young. Like, you could move off of certain players because you had replacements. You also, when you were going to hang it up as a head coach, you had George Seifert who could continue what you did. The Warriors, I don't think, are in a position where they have something to offer from either a young core perspective or a potential move out there that would be able to replace those guys that you're talking about. No, you're absolutely right. And these are just hypotheticals. Sure. That I think that the improvement of the basketball team uh, does not necessarily in the here and now involve either one of those guys. My point being is that when that day of reckoning does come and you're looking to improve your basketball team in in whatever regard, whatever vein, then I think that the, the conversation that has to be had is what it is that I just laid out, that there cannot be that emotional attachment. But... But you're right. I, I don't think that getting rid of those guys right now, because again, that's the only through a vacuum and through this specific lens that what is it that makes my basketball team better now and in the future? That's the only way by which you can measure or move forward as a general manager of the Golden State Warriors. Well, let's see what Uncle Gene has to say out in Oakland. 888-957-9570 is the number. What do you think Mike Dunleavy Jr. should do at the deadline? Do you think he needs to get aggressive? Should he stand pat? Do you still think the Warriors are in a, play, a place where they can experiment, where they can evaluate? 888-957-9570. What's up, Gene? You're on with Dan Devone and Evan Giddings here on Warriors this week. Yeah, good morning, fellas. Thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, I wasn't exactly prepared to answer that question, but but uh, what should he do? Uh, I still think we should we should try to be in the market for a, a wing defender. I mean, that's really what we need. Uh, our defense is absolutely atrocious. This is probably the worst defense we've had under Kerr. Uh, I'm, I, for one, am looking forward to a Draymond coming back. Uh, he's not going to turn the whole season around, but the, the defense will get uh, significantly better, uh, not just with his play but what what he generates uh, with the rest of the team I, that's what i expect uh, i wanted to say something quickly about wiggins um because i'm i'm on the same uh same wavelength as you dan i uh, actually if i had been able to call in last friday um excuse me let's say saturday yesterday i would have uh, also screamed uh, please don't trade this guy yet at least until we know what's really going on with him because uh, as far as we knew, there was nothing physically wrong. So it was all emotional or mental or something. And unless he had somehow, unless he had gone to the team and said, hey, I want to be traded, I want out of here, or unless there really was something physical that we were unaware of, uh, look, he's our, he's, he's our best hope in terms of being the most experienced and, you know, skilled, uh, you know, 
and successful player going forward once the, once the big three are are gone. All right. So it was wonderful seeing him play well last night. Uh, I'm hoping this is finally the turning point for him. Um, and you know, moving forward, let's. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to see the core broken up. I and I don't know that I have statistics if, or anything more than just gut feeling to to base this on, but. Those three, I think, are, are, you know, connected at the hip. Uh, you might even throw Kerr in there. So I, my feeling is that once one of those guys is gone or can't play anymore, that truly is the end of the dynasty. And I'm still holding on to the fading hope that somehow, some way, they might still get that fifth ring. Well, you'd love to get a fifth ring. I, I think that's why people are talking about Gene potentially breaking up the core. I'm not advocating for that at all, and I, I don't think Dan is either. What what we're talking about is if you have an opportunity to improve, if you have an opportunity to move closer towards a fifth title, well, then everyone except for Stephen Curry should be on the table, right? Yeah, and he he brings up, you know, just to getting back, and this sort of goes along with what it is that you were talking about at the top of the show, that the defense has just been so atrocious. I, I would argue that they, they do have adequate wing defenders. Kaminga is a good guy out on the perimeter, typically, uh, in terms of defense. And Wiggins, that's where he you know, that's where he cut his teeth and got the moniker as a two-way player because of what it is that he did really two years ago. So he, he can do it. It's just that I think, Ev, that, that you can't look at this exclusively that the Golden State Warriors have been so bad defensively and got spanked in the last two games at home without sort of seeing it that across the board, the NBA is just sort of in this, you know, in this pattern right now, whether it's because of refereeing right now that I think clearly caters towards offensive output. And not only that, that every team has shot makers and that maybe because it's a perfect storm that, as you alluded to, January is just always a weird month. Mm-hmm. But just look across what's happening in the league. Everybody's getting blown out. Uh, you know, it's complete. What's up is down. What's down is up. It, it, it January has been. If you're to use that as a barometer, I don't know that that's necessarily accurate. And I think that maybe the Warriors got just caught up in a lot of what has been bad defense from just about everybody at the NBA at some point. So. I don't know that it's a it's an indictment that they don't have wing defenders or that they're bad defensively as much as it is just this is happening to everybody. Oh, yeah, I'm still in wait and see mode, but that doesn't mean that I don't believe. All right, here here's where I'm at. Like the Wiggins thing to me is the most obvious piece to try and move for multiple reasons. I'm not saying last night wasn't. I'm not saying last night was fool's gold. But I have not seen enough of Wiggins playing at that level for me to feel comfortable with him being around for three more years. And when I look at what the Warriors have on their books, you obviously have Curry. You obviously have Draymond. I do think they're going to extend an offer to Clay Thompson. And they're probably going to be able to come to an agreement. I can't have four contracts in addition to what you're probably going to have to pay Kaminga because he's extension eligible this summer. I can't have four, maybe even five or six long-term deals for a team that has been around 500 for the majority of the season. I I, I can't do it. I understand this is a wing-driven league, but to me, best-case scenario is, and again, we're waiting and seeing, but best-case scenario is Wiggins does find a semblance of his old self, 
and you're able to improve his value to the point where you can make a move that doesn't include uh, adding someone like Kaminga or adding a valuable first-round pick. I just think that the Warriors are in a natural parting position with this guy. They've gotten everything they can out of him. He's a big reason why they won the championship. He's been paid handsomely, and I think he needs a change of scenery. And I think it would be good for both sides to, when the trade deadline comes, and the Warriors have, I think, 12 or 13 games to make that decision, to move on, help the Warriors get something back, and help them move towards next season, retooling, to try and make another run next year. I think that Wiggins has been too inconsistent for me to trust him in the future, and I, and I just don't feel comfortable with him being on the roster for three more years. That's why I would move him. It's not because I don't think he's a good guy. It's not because I don't think he can play like he could last night on occasion. But because I don't think he can recapture what he found in 2022. And really, what he's not been able to find since he had his two-month, two-and-a-half-month hiatus. I think he's in a different headspace, and I think he needs a change of scenery. So the trade would be as much for Andrew Wiggins as for the Golden State Warriors. And as much as he was, yes, with Wiggins, a plus one last night in seven minutes... Prior to, they'd been a minus 84 in 25 minutes. And I guess I'm just more inclined to believe that that's probably where this thing is going to be most of the time, as opposed to last night in Chicago, where they were finally able to put it together. You know, I mentioned this earlier in the show, that in using the Toronto Raptors as an example, and Pascal Siapkin, it just seemed like it was inevitable that he was going to get dealt. OG Ananobi was out the door. I think they even came out with a public statement that they're not going to wait till the trade deadline to move off on Siakam and his contract. I think that Toronto, and not to just to focus on the Raptors and go north of the border, but you know Toronto did not want to be left holding the bag like they were a couple of years ago when Kawhi left as a free agent. And Fred Van Vliet, to a certain degree, did the same thing to them last year. And they certainly did not want Pascal Siakam to walk out the door and they get nothing in return. So it just seemed like it mm-hmm. was an inevitability that he was going to get traded. And then all of a sudden, as Ananobi leaves, they get back R.J. Barrett and they get back Quigley and Scotty, or Quickly, excuse me, and Scotty Barnes, yeah. who's now. That was a mutually beneficial deal. I mean, the Knicks have been hot since they very got Ananobi. Good. Very good. And, and now they're beginning to reassess Pascal Siakam. And how he's playing so well with this, you know, this new, this new team, this new refaced team of the Toronto Raptors. And I say all of that just simply to say that the Golden State Warriors, their best option right now might be patience. And I know that's difficult to do, especially when you have Lakeup overreacting. In my estimation, that you know, everybody's going except Steph. That you just have to exert a level of wait and see. Because much like that of Pascal Siakam, that it was a foregone conclusion he was traded, if Andrew Wiggins can somehow turn it on and be that guy that at age 28, uh, and with the return again of Draymond Green, that he unlocks maybe... Andrew Wiggins, and that it works with Jonathan Kaminga, and then Trace Jackson Davis, and Brandon Pajemski, and all these kids and veterans, and the balance is there. And again, just to use history as a reference, the Lakers of a year ago were able to turn it around. The Celtics of two years ago were able to turn it around. And so trading everybody or making rash decisions in January, I just don't think is the wisest decision, especially as it relates to the Golden State Warriors going forward. Yeah, unless there's a move that can immediately upgrade you, I don't think the Warriors are going to do anything because they're kind of stuck in a position where 
I think they don't want to come off of pieces that teams naturally want. The deal you're talking about between Toronto and New York, well, New York didn't want to pay, it appeared, R.J. Barrett to continue to pay him, and they didn't want to pay, evidently, Emmanuel quickly, or they would prefer to pay someone like O.G. Ananobi. So... That worked for both of them. I think the Warriors are looking for that kind of deal. Not the wings, but a mutually beneficial deal for both sides because that, I think, is their best option to keep what they have, keep what's valuable, but also send off something that will help set them up more for the future. I think it's Wiggins. If you disagree, I want to hear from you. 888-957-9570. We're back with our final segment up until 12 o'clock right here on Warriors this week. Dan Devone, Evan Giddings with you on 95.7 The Game. Joseph beats Jackson Davis. He wants to facilitate for Clay. Hand off to Clay. Shoots and hits. Clay Thompson. Another triple. He's got 24. He loves this building. Now back to Warriors this week on 95.7 The Game. One last segment here on Warriors this week. Evan Gettings alongside Dan Devone. And Dan, I, I, I got to give you some props, man. You, you talked about scheduled losses. And I think we might have one on our hands for the Golden State Warriors tonight. Five o'clock tip in Milwaukee. Of course, you can catch it all here on 95.7 The Game. Mark Randy's got your pre and post Tim Roy on the call. But as of 40 seconds ago, Anthony Slater of The Athletic, also a Warriors insider here at 95.7 The Game, tweeted this. Steph Curry is out tonight in Milwaukee. Rest. It's his third missed game of the season. First due to rest. It was at 11 and a half. <laughs> that thing is about to balloon. You better hop on Milwaukee while you can. It's going to be off the board. Oh, boy. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, that's it's a good decision. That stinks. It's Well, I, I think you just got to be smart about this. It's... You know, after this, you got Memphis oh, and then you got it, Utah. Dan. But it's like, I mean, I would sit Clay as well. It's just, this <laughs> just, is not going to, yeah, this is. Kenyonis! Yeah, Lester! But you know what? Uh, on sort of yeah, a serious note, like there's, they're not going to, 
I think it's it's a long shot to say the least to try and be competitive tonight. But that's okay. This is just you know this is this is the attrition that is the NBA when you got to go to Chicago, Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Chicago, Milwaukee this time of the year where it's like minus ten degrees out there and you're taking a bus. But think about this: just when you're talking about the depth that is the Warriors this year, how often have we talked about the absence of GP two, Chris Paul? Moses Moody wasn't available, and Draymond Green. Now, if this was a year ago, that probably, in what we like to call in our shows here, at the top of our rundown. But now, because they have so much depth that, you know, all right, next, next man up. Kaminga gets more run. Here comes, you know, here comes Trace Jackson Davis. And uh, although they're maybe not as good, but they're more equipped to handle, I think, you know, when you're suffering some of those losses. Yeah, and that's why it really sucks that it, we, we didn't talk about this much, but, you know, Moses Moody is missing the, the road trip, it appears, with a calf strain that he suffered in the Pelicans game. And it's coming off back-to-back 21-point performances. It does suck on a night like this that he's not available because he would get plenty of run. Sure. Like, we saw Jerome Robinson in the game last night for the Warriors, and this would be a natural game to just say, hey, you know what, young guys, get in there, Play 42 minutes tonight. See what you got against a really good Milwaukee Bucks team. See what you can do. And the one thing that you want to see tonight is what we didn't see the last two games of the homestand, which is effort. And we saw it on we saw it last night in Chicago. You want to see effort. You want to see energy. And win or loss, that's all you can really ask for in a situation like this. So unfortunately, the news coming down from Anthony Slater that Steph Curry is out tonight against the Milwaukee Bucks. Five o'clock tip. Here on 95.7 The Game. Let's get out to Mark in Milbray. Wants to talk about one of the favorite young studs for the Warriors. What's up, Mark? You're on Warriors this week with Dan and Evan. Yeah, what's up, guys? Yeah, to me, I would like to see uh, Kaminga just be relegated back to the sixth man. I think he's much more effective and could be much more of a focal point for the for the Warriors. Uh, we definitely know what, what Draymond is back uh, in the near future here. I just feel like that's the impact he can have is being a six man as opposed to a starter. I know he he's upset because he feels like he is at this point, but I just think he, he's too inconsistent at this point. He's got he's obviously got some some major talent and he can flash, but I just think with the second unit, you see he's much more like last night. He can be much more impactful and effective. And I, I just think the, the lineup that Kerr's got to go is with the four veterans, obviously Draymond. And he can be the first guy off the bench. And obviously, he can play huge minutes. You can give him 25, 30-plus minutes per game, depending on the flow of the game and how well he's playing. But as you saw last night, I think that would be much better of his role. And as far as uh, the Warriors, tonight, I didn't think, barring some major upset, they were going to beat Milwaukee. I thought, to me, the two games they would get, the Bulls playing some good basketball, that was a nice win on the road, snapping the win streak. And then... Uh, Memphis, and we thought Utah would be a win, but Utah's been playing some great basketball. So I think overall, guys, the thing that's been the most disappointing about the season is how poorly they played at home. I think looking back at this season, if they come up short and early in the playoffs, because the one thing we can count on is how impressive as a home team they've had and how many times they've either blown out or gagged away games with the big leads, I think is going to be the story and, and why they're going to struggling to be a play-on team at this point. So we're going to wait for the trade deadline and see what moves they make. But as far as their home games now, we can't even count on them to beat anybody or struggle against even the worst teams. So uh, get your uh, takes on that. Thanks for the time. 
Yeah, I mean, look, and I know people have been asking, too, about Draymond's availability. Nothing updated on there. It looks like Draymond, as of now, is going to miss uh, another game here while he ramps back up. In, in addition to, um, of course, GP2's out, CP3's out, Moses Moody's out, and now Steph Curry's out. So you're down five rotation players. We're probably going to see some... that. Look, yeah, I, I'm sorry, I left out Guy Santos. I left out Usman Garuba. Uh, <laughs> left out, you know, a couple of these guys at the bottom of the roster we haven't seen much of this season, but they're going to get some run tonight. Hopefully a lot of pods as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, why not? Why not throw the young guys in there? Just getting back to last night's game, we were t- I think the caller alluded to how the Warriors have not been able to play well at home, but how about that ring of honor last night? Dude, oh. <laughs> What? It's like I, I'm just cracking up because it was like, oh, I tried to rile me up in the last 20 minutes. No, no, go ahead. My only take was was like, you know, they're introducing. Uh, he's a six-time NBA champion. He's a seven-time NBA All Star. He's a three-time Scotty Pippen. Meanwhile, the searchlight's looking for him. And he's, like, <laughs> he's lawn bowling in his crib in Malibu. Man. Do we know what team that was for? Was it just in honor of the three-peat? Like. That I do not Because I, I think, well, you could send any of those teams into the Ring of Honor. At least Rodman sent in a video. I think, did MJ send in a video? Yeah, he had the last video. Yeah, yeah. so that, that from top to bottom, primarily because of the fans, in addition to, of course, MJ and Pippen not being able to be in the same room together, I guess, was absolutely horrible. And I'm with everyone that roasted the fans in Chicago that booed Jerry Krause, <laughs> because that was shameful. That was that was one of the most just like horrible things I've seen this season. And I understand no one got hurt from it. No one was throwing things. But first of all, respect the dead. I mean, Jesus, what are we doing here? Respect the dead. His wife's in attendance. You're booing a guy that, whether you like it or not, is a big reason why you won six titles. I don't care that you know he may have been a reason that people feel like the team was broken up. Go, go, go! Watch the last dance. You'll see it wasn't completely his fault. And I know some people in Chicago were talking about how it could have been avoidable by just you know showing the wife first, or, or I guess setting it up better. Because he's not a popular figure in Chicago, Jerry Krause isn't. But come on, like we're better as a society. I thought. Well, it's Chicago, so it's it's a there's a deep, you know that when it comes to sports, those those relationships run pretty deep. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but I think a lot of that is you nailed it. It's it's the last dance, and I think that a a, a, a lot of the re, when's the last time because that was during the pandemic, and so when, when's the last time that they've all collectively been able to be in a stadium since the last dance. To voice what it is that they felt um, together with Jerry Krause's, you know, his face on the big screen. Um, so I think a lot of that was just, you know, their their first first opportunity to sort of collectively as a community voice what it is that the last dance and sort of the the uh, the emotional uh, thoughts and opinions sort of coming to the to, to the forefront there. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll just we'll, we'll let Steve Kerr talk about that because here's what he had to say. I, I didn't hear it. I was in the locker room, but somebody just told me about it, and it's shameful. It's absolutely shameful. Um, I cannot believe 
Um, I'm devastated for Thelma and for the Kraus family. What can we possibly be th thinking? I cannot believe that the fans, that, and you, you have to understand, when you hear boos, it's not all of them, right? So the fans who booed, they know who they are, and that's, um, to me, it's, it's absolutely shameful, and I, I'm devastated by that, because it, it's just, what, what are we doing? You know, whether whether you you know people liked Jerry or not, whether they disagreed with uh, the decision to you know to move on from the whatever the I mean like, we're here to celebrate um, that team. Jerry did an amazing job building that team tonight was and last night was all about the joy and the uh, the love that that team shared with the city. And I'm so disappointed in the fans. And I want to be specific because there were lots of fans I'm sure who did not boo but those who booed they should be ashamed yeah i mean i i largely agree with it and i also don't think that look karma's a b man you got 48 hung on you in the third <laughs> quarter after booing a dead man sure. that's all that's all i'm gonna say well correct me if i'm wrong maybe I have, i've got to play it again but wasn't the last dance pretty much put him in a bad light though right yeah. I mean, that's sort of like the, the name says it all. The last dance was because Jerry Krause came out publicly said, I'm getting rid of everybody. Yeah, but I think the doc also explained why that was just a natural breaking point. Like, it had kind of led to that, and Krause was involved with it, but it was also Phil Jackson. It was also MJ being kind of done. It was also Scottie Pippen signing a contract that he probably shouldn't have signed and then blaming Jerry Krause for it and then that causing some internal strife. You know. Like I mean, look, they won six championships. Yeah. It <laughs> I don't know what else you want. It's like it's like Warriors fans saying that you know the Warriors should have won six titles. It's like if, if things work out the way they do, and and blaming an executive for failing to I guess extend something that was at a natural end to me is a little overboard. Okay, how's this? If the last dance is never made, do they still boo him last night? Because like, yes. I think one yes. of really. Yeah, okay. well, at least from what I was so I was listening to uh, um, some of the post game on the Chicago side, the, the score has was talking about it after the game because that was a big talking point. And the city of Chicago, I think, blames Jerry Krause for that team breaking up. Mm. Like, he's the guy that they blame for that. And he certainly had a hand in it, but he's not the only reason that happened. And Steve Kerr's also talked about it, about how it was just kind of a natural point. Everyone knew and was on board through throughout the season. So, no, I think they would have booed him regardless. And it just, it was, it was terrible that his wife had to endure that. <laughs> I guess I came across a little hard. Somebody <laughs> saying that I, Devon would have fit in perfectly according to the text line with those Bulls fans that booed Cross. No, I'm not saying boo the guy. I just... Maybe I know it's not popular. I just the the people that booed or the people that booed. But I, I I guess my point in all of this is that same thing. Philadelphia and New York and Chicago have a tendency to be idiots. Um, it's just it's fans. It's it's I it's dudes with beers in their hands who are sitting there. It's like I don't. It's it's not the mayor. It's not. I I I don't get. I know that. That fans in general should do the right thing. Um, they shouldn't throw a, a cup of water on Kyrie Irving in Boston when he went and stamped on the logo and the shamrock as he left. But f I'm sorry, man. Like, it's just, I, I, I don't hold them maybe in a high level of esteem to begin with. Not that fans 
are not smart people, but just, you know, it's Chicago and it's it's the last dance. And yeah, I think that in the perfect world, don't boo Jerry Krause. What are you, an idiot? But to be honest with you, a lot of them are idiots. And that's just sort of the fandom when it comes to sort of the Chicagos and the Phillies and the Bostons in that part of the world. Yeah, and it sucks that it, probably a, a small percentage of the fans last night were being casted in the light that they were or revealed themselves, however you want to say it. Like, it, that that does suck. I, I'm I'm with you. Like I think five percent of fans are bad eggs. Like yeah. that doesn't mean that ninety five percent of fans aren't great, aren't respectful, aren't knowledgeable. And I feel lucky that we have a lot of those people that are Warriors fans and also chime into our shows that that listen to us from nine to noon, that listen to our weekday shows, of course, from six to six, and disagree with us, agree with us. Maybe they boo us at their houses. I don't know. Uh, but to to do that last night, I thought was that was just wrong. Hey, I want to get into to Kerr for a little bit before we get out of here. Yeah, let's do it. I, I this week that that just the week that was. I'm wondering whether if that had any sort of influence on Steve Kerr in his impending decision as to whether or not he's coming back. I don't know, people putting him on the hot seat. Maybe it's not in his hands. Maybe he gets fired. He he signs a new contract. But you know, he was good friends with Pete Carroll. Like, those two were really tight. In fact, they had an awesome podcast. I only think they did, like, a handful of shows. Maybe one of the greatest names for a podcast. It was, it was called Flying Coach. Yep. Awesome. Like, those two dudes, they found each other sort of later in life, if you will. And Kerr credits him for helping him with his coaching philosophy. Exactly. Like, he was one of the first people that he called. And it was, I think, in the podcast you're referencing, how Pete Carroll said, the first thing you have to do as a head coach is create pillars. And foundational pillars that are philosophical, but relate to how you want to implement your style as a head coach. And it it clearly worked because he was successful. And I'm just curious, with him leaving or getting fired, uh, even when you look at Saban, and Saban recognizing that, although he wouldn't say this publicly, but, but nothing's changed more than college sports, right? With NIL, Transfer Portal, I don't think Saban recognized it's it's time for me to move on. And so... When we talk about this dynastic end or the end of the run, if you will, we saw Bob Myers jump ship. We know the relationship between those two and how they remain to be close. I'm just wondering if if Steve Kerr, after seeing Pete Carroll and Saban walk away and Carroll getting, you know, let go out in Seattle, whether he just says, you know what, it's time for me to walk. Like hmm. the end of this year, uh, you know, this is it's it's a it's a different time. It's somebody else's time, and maybe because, you know, he's always done things a little bit differently. And I'm just curious if whether that had any sort of level of influence whatsoever. I think that's the only way they could naturally part. I think Steve Kerr, as a four-time champion, is in a position where if he doesn't want to be there, then that's his choice. But I... I don't know. I have a hard time believing at the end of the year, Lacobs or whoever Dunleavy is going to say, hey, Steve, we don't want you back. Because at the end of the day, and this is something that factors into all the tough decisions that the Warriors have to make and that are in front of them for the next 12 or 13 games before the deadline is, you still have Steph Curry. And if Curry wants Steve Kerr as his head coach, I imagine that Steve Kerr is going to be the head coach. And I don't get the feeling that Kerr wants to be leave now. Yeah, like he's, he's been frustrated, but I don't get the feeling that no, he wants to leave. I think I'm with you. Is that The other part of that equation is that, yeah, usually you can sort of see it on the coach, like, yeah, this is just painful, the road trips, the losing. 
I think he genuinely enjoys, and not to get too theatrical, I, I think he genuinely enjoys teaching younger men. I think he genuinely enjoys the different personalities. I think he really, uh, more than the winning and the losing, of course he wants to win titles, but I think that there is a, there's a different, I think he's wired a little different from the average coach. I think he really finds uh, completion. I think he finds a level of satisfaction uh, through what he considers helping young men. And and that's not only rele- relegated to basketball. I also don't think he is... <laughs> I mean, he he's a player. He's been a, a GM. He's been a broadcaster. He's also a businessman. And I think that if... Steve Kerr's looking around the league and seeing Eric Spolstra getting 8 for 120, and he's looking at Monty Williams getting 75, and he's looking at Greg Popovich getting near 80. He's probably like, all right, well, no, I want to be back. There's no doubt about it, but you're going to have to pay me. I mean, well, yeah, you got to get market I, value, that's for sure. Oh, Monty Williams is the head coach of the worst <laughs> team in basketball right <laughs> oh now, God. and he's he set the standard this summer. I mean, good Lord, back up the brick truck. Yeah, he'll get paid. I think that. I think he should. I'm wondering, how about this? If, but I, I don't know that that's what drives him. I mean, this is a guy that... No, but it's also a sign of respect. Like, yeah. if you're a player looking around the league, I think that's why it's a big reason why Clay Thompson didn't take the 2-for-48 deal that he had offered this summer. Because, yeah, he wants more years, but he's also like, am I really a player that you see as being half of what I was previously making? Yeah. You know. I think Money's that, a sign of respect. Yeah, I would agree with you. And I think that if he comes back, he's going to get his. But I think the 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 only thing, and it's 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 not something that really I, I think that there's just maybe a flicker of of potential that this could happen. He just he's wired a little differently, and I'm just wondering with Pete Carroll's departure, and when you see Saban recognizing that the landscape of the of, of of college football and college sports changing, that maybe Steve Kerr just recognizes this as an opportunity for me to go out, and I, like I could see that guy. Coaching at the collegiate level, I mean, just because again, I think that he hmm. gets a, a thrill out of uh, out of helping younger people, and or getting into politics. He's certainly not, you know, he, he's he's not bashful for for telling people how he feels. From I just feel that maybe there, there's a part of me that thinks that maybe he feels as though there's there's bigger things in store for his life that go beyond the boundaries of of coaching the Golden State Warriors. That's fair. I mean, I, he definitely has a wide range of interests. And he's been outspoken politically, and I think that all factors into why I've really enjoyed his time and however much time he has left as head coach of the Golden State Warriors is because he's not just a basketball guy. Yeah. And he's he's had pretty much every single role that there is in basketball as a player, as an executive, a member of the media, and now as a head coach. I think he, he gets it in a lot of ways, and it's really unfortunate that, that this season hasn't necessarily made him look the best because he's been in the toughest coaching position he has ever. And I don't think in every single spot he's responded well to it. So, you know, my, my question would be how you replace him. It's kind of the question we're asking about the big three, right? Like you're saying, so everyone's on limits or off limits except for Steph. I, I agree. But who would you bring in to, to fill that void? Yes, and right. As a player, as a head coach, you know, they naturally had Mike Dunleavy Jr. to, to step in for Bob Myers, but if they didn't have Dunleavy there, I, I don't know if I'd feel comfortable with the Warriors hiring someone outside of the organization as GM I've or got how the, they look. I've got the answer for Steve Kerr. Should he decide to leave or should he no longer come back? Oh. Uh, as the Golden State Warriors, wait, you ready? This you, is breaking Wait, news. wait until the final, final minutes. 
You know, I'll, you know what? I'll reveal this. Do you want me to revisit this in four minutes? N no, I, w I want you to tell us what, what it is now. It's going to be the first player coach, <laughs> the first player coach since I believe Dave Cowens or maybe Lenny Wilkins or Bill Russell. They used to be player coaches. Draymond? Draymond Green. <laughs> Draymond Green, he knows his best. Oh, that high basketball oh, IQ it, will translate to being a successful coach. <laughs> Draymond Green <laughs> as head coach of the Golden State Warriors. Can you imagine that, John? Like, seriously. No. No, I could not. <laughs> I'm drinking my breakfast again, John. Well, I think number yeah. one, he's, he's headed, yeah, you are. I think he's headed towards a career in the media, but no, no doubt, dude. I'm being. I know you are, but man, that's actually that is a scalding hot take, and I appreciate it because I and it forced me to think about Draymond Green in a suit and tie, or maybe it's maybe it's like a a onesie. I don't know what they wear sweat sweatsuits now on the sidelines. He'd be like a modern day Bob Knight. You know, I could see him throwing a chair at a player. Or... <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? That's, you know, he'll bring back old school. It's none of this, you know, you make a turnover, but that's okay. No, you turn it over, come over here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in your face, and I'm going to dress you down. <laughs> I'm going to get teed as a, as a player and as a coach. So if you get teed as a coach, and as a, so let's say you get one technical as a player, and then you're coaching and you get a tee, does that combine as a disqualification or is it two separate entities? He would be the first head coach to get a flagrant two. <laughs> I think I think that, I think that would inevitably happen, and that would be the first time we've seen that. Uh, Dan, it's been a lot of fun. Man, we we dug into a lot over the course of this this three hour show, and I know we got seven days until the next one. Uh, but I'm always looking forward. to But well, you know, I tell you what. Uh, and, and I'm not just feeding the beast here. Nothing is boring when it comes to Warriors this week. Right? I, agree. I agree, man. <laughs> you talk about a magazine show that is fully loaded every single year, every single week, man. It is stay right here because you have no idea where this thing's going. And we appreciate everyone that's called in today, everyone that's chimed in on the YouTube chat, powered by First NorCal Credit Union, also on Twitch. We appreciate you chiming in on the Comcast Business Text Line. Uh, big thanks to our producer John Lucan here today. Of course, Dan Devone. Uh, my name is ever getting saying so long this edition of worries this week it's been a lot of fun we'll talk to you next saturday same time same place 9 a.m to noon 95 7 the game enjoy the rest of your weekend i know the niners don't play but we'll figure out who they play and of course tune in on monday we got your coverage for the warriors nfl reaction to wild card weekend six to six on 95 7 the game it's been real we'll talk to you next time we're a 33 win team dude this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 